0: This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a look at what's happening in North Carolina politics for the week of Monday, March 8th. Hello, and welcome to Under the Dome. For the News and Observer and NC Insider, I'm Will Doran. I'm here to tell you what I know about the week ahead at the state legislature, starting with the easy part. There's basically nothing going on Monday. But Tuesday, it'll get quite busy with lots of committees and especially a lot of focus likely on yet another school reopening bill. There's also potentially some action on a coronavirus unemployment bill that we'll see next week to extend benefits, but also add back a work requirement. And I'm interested in following a bill about jello shots and alcoholic ice cream. There is no use in writing about tax policy and regulatory reform and dry stuff like that if you can't also write about jello shots every once in a while, so I will tell you about that. But first, schools and whether they should be in person. That has been the big topic at the legislature this year, and it will continue into the near future. There was big drama toward the end of February, then continuing into the beginning of this month when Democratic Governor Roy Cooper vetoed a Republican-backed bill to require every school district in the state to at least offer parents the chance to send their kids back for in-person classes. This all came right at the same time as a highly related report, which I hope you all saw from my News & Observer colleague Kern Huey, that public school test scores fell drastically last year. More than three-quarters of third-grade students can't read proficiently, the data showed. And at the high school level, most students failed to pass their end-of-course exams after the fall semester. So that was all part of the backstory in last last week's political drama. Republicans passed that bill I referenced to require all the school districts to at least offer the parents the option for in-person classes. Most school districts do that anyways, but a few don't. And Governor Roy Cooper vetoed the bill, saying that he would prefer to encourage it for the few holdouts, but not mandate it. The Senate then tried to override that veto, but it failed. Three Democrats originally voted for it, but in the end, only one went against Cooper and voted to override his veto, and the Republicans needed two to flip, not just one. So that brings us to this week. Having failed at passing that bill into law, Republicans have come up with a workaround in the shape of a local bill. Typically, local bills are limited to just one or two counties and deal with fairly random stuff like de-annexing certain pieces of property from city limits but technically they can apply to as many as 14 counties, and this is important. Unlike regular bills, the governor is not allowed to veto local bills. So now we have a local bill, HB 90, that would enact mandatory school reopening rules for a handful of counties, a list that we expect to grow next week. As I said, there are only a few counties that are still holding out. These local bills can apply to up to 14 counties, so I imagine we'll see uh, many, if not all, of the holdouts get added to this. But at the time I'm recording this, uh, there's only a few that are on that bill so far. Right now, it applies to Carteret, Haywood, Randolph, and Yancey County schools, as well as the Asheboro City schools inside of Randolph County, which is a separate school district. However, last Thursday, in a press release, House Speaker Tim Moore praised the bill and said people should expect to see more counties being added to that list as well as new provisions as it moves forward. So that bill is going to be in committee on Tuesday, and uh, I would expect to see it voted on shortly after probably early midweek. I don't know if it will get voted on as early as Tuesday, um, but I doubt it will wait even until the end of the week. The bill's main sponsor is Republican Pat McElraft from Carteret County. Uh, She originally sponsored it since she wanted to make sure her local schools had this in-person option. Obviously, now it's being expanded. She was quoted in a press release last Thursday that Speaker Moore put out saying, quote, "...the General Assembly will pursue every available opportunity to address the devastating harm to our students that closed schools have caused. Our kids are not just failing, they are being failed by a refusal among elected leaders to let them learn." Of course, this may all be moot anyhow, pretty soon. The chairman of the North Carolina Board of Education told the NNO last week that they expect every single school district to offer in-person options by the end of March. But regardless, it's clearly a topic that both parties want to take a political stance on, have been taking these big political stances on, and the use of a local bill to do an end around on the governor's veto is something that we'll almost certainly see again this session. Uh... Lawmakers did something similar with a bill for outdoor crowds at high school sports. Um, even uh, after Governor Cooper lifted some of the limits on crowds at sporting events, uh, some Republican lawmakers wanted to go a step further and use the local bill to do that for a handful of their counties. Um, I've also seen a local bill filed that would exempt a couple of counties from some of the governor's executive orders. So that's an emerging tactic, using those veto-proof local bills uh, to kind of get around Democrats and the governor, and definitely something we are going to be keeping our eyes on, um, not just this week, but as I said, probably many weeks into the future. Now, something else that could affect lots of people across the state is House Bill 107, which deals with unemployment benefits. That is also going to be coming up next week, I assume. Uh, It has come up several times already last week and even the week before then, uh, there are three main pieces to this bill. One, it extends federal benefits that had been set to expire until the end of the year. The deal there is we normally only have, you know, our one main unemployment program in North Carolina, and there is a cooling off period. So you can't just go from being unemployed to have a job for a week and then go back on unemployment again for a couple, you know, a month or more. However, now, since we don't just have that one state funded unemployment, we also have several different federally funded programs. Uh, this would allow people to kind of bounce from program to program if they qualify uh, without having that cooling off period until the end of the year. Uh, another big piece of this bill is it would help businesses. You know, unemployment is not funded entirely by Taxes, it's funded by businesses uh, who pay into the fund and typically their rates would be increasing right now, uh, but this bill would keep those at the current rates. Obviously, a lot of businesses are hurting right now. That is why so many people are unemployed. The businesses can't necessarily afford to keep them on. So, uh, you know, lawmakers want to to help the businesses out by not hiking up uh, their rates for paying into the unemployment program. And finally, third piece of this bill, it would also institute a work search requirement. We normally have that, but a year ago, last March, Governor Cooper exempted people from this work search requirement when they were filing for unemployment, which made sense. He was shutting down businesses and telling people to stay home, so it would have been pretty nonsensical to do all that, but also at the same time force people to prove that they're out job hunting in order to keep getting their benefits. However, we're now a year into the pandemic. Many businesses are partially or even fully reopened. And last week, I wrote about Governor Cooper issuing a new executive order uh, that says starting by mid to late March, any newly unemployed people are going to have to start up the work search requirements again. That executive order from Governor Cooper came at the same time that this House bill was moving forward, which also had some language, albeit not as detailed as the language in Cooper's executive order, on those work search requirements, and ever since his executive order came out, that bill has gotten delayed. It was supposed to get voted on Wednesday but got pulled off the calendar. Then it was supposed to get voted Thursday, then it got pulled off the calendar again. There's no votes on Friday, no votes on Monday. So, we're going to be watching that. Um, maybe it'll come up Tuesday, maybe later. I'm not sure if they are trying to lawyer it and see if they need to make any changes uh, due to the new executive order from Governor Cooper or what, but this is something that a lot of business owners, a lot of regular people who either are or might later be unemployed are all going to be watching pretty closely. So we are going to be watching that closely as well. Finally, one quirky thing that we should see pop up in committee is, drum roll please, the Jello Shots bill. As I'm sure all you loyal listeners know, North Carolina has some of the strictest laws in the country regulating the sale of alcohol. We were actually the first state in the nation to get on board with prohibition, enacting a ban on alcohol in 1908, a full 12 years before the federal government forced prohibition on everybody in 1920. And even after the 21st Amendment passed and got rid of prohibition in 1933, North Carolina still refused to ratify it for several more years. All right, now here's a fun tangent for just a moment, then I'll get back to the Jail Shots Bill. So we passed that local 1908 prohibition less than a year after the famous anti-booze crusader Carrie Nation visited Salisbury, of all places. She called it, quote, a hellhole that was second only to Chicago as, quote, the whiskiest soaked city in the United States. I'm not sure what Salisbury did to earn her ire uh, compared to some of the bigger cities at the time, uh, but that is who she decided to pick on. I saw that quote a few years ago and, you know, comparing Salisbury negatively to Chicago, and I always think about it whenever I interview State Treasurer Dale Falwell about the state health plan of all things. It's underfunded by quite a bit, and he makes sure every time we talk about it to point out that it's in even worse financial shape than the Illinois health plan. Some things change, but I guess ragging on Chicago and Illinois never goes out of style. Anyways, back to the bill. We wrote many of our alcohol laws nearly a century ago, and... As it turns out, jello shots and alcoholic ice cream weren't really a thing back then, but they are now, so this bill would add in some language about the exact percent of alcohol they can have before they could cross the line from being merely alcohol-flavored to actually alcoholic. It would also let the state tax some extra charges onto those products. It would use the same cutoff uh, for alcoholic drinks, which is 0.5% ABV. Uh, That's pretty low for reference in 80% or an 80 proof whiskey is 40% ABV. So 0.5% is basically negligible. I went and did some research, uh, you know, sometimes very tough research in this job. It turns out that the spirits ice cream that haagen sells, for example, is already below that 0.5% ABV limit. Uh, So it would seem that that would be exempted from the extra charges that the bill would put on some of these alcoholic treats. Maybe other products wouldn't be exempted. I will volunteer to my editors to go and try all of the treats that I need to in the service of journalism. Um, And I expect that we will also learn more about what will or will not be affected when the bill comes up in committee next Wednesday. Anyways, I know most of our listeners do turn in hoping to hear the latest news about ice cream prices. So thank you for your continued support of this important podcast. And with that, I think y'all know everything that I do about what may or may not be happening in North Carolina politics this week. Maybe we'll see some movement on unemployment benefits. We're almost certain to see the school reopening bill move forward. And who knows what will happen with our jello shot regulations. But one thing I can guarantee is there will at least be a couple interesting things that pop up out of the blue. So, as always, please send your tips our way if you know of something interesting going on, anything percolating under the surface, and as always, thank you for listening. For more from our politics team, subscribe to The News and Observer at newsobserver.com/subscribe follow us on twitter at under the dome and nc insider and sign up for her weekly political newsletter also called under the dome at newsobserver.com/newsletters thanks for listening